Hello and welcome to the first episode of a Koshcast talk shop crossover. My name is Alex. <laughs> Bernie is here. You know him. Hello, Alex. And Chimney is here. You probably also know him. Yes, yes, yes. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I feel like it's, uh, we're organizing like a CW crossover superhero <laughs> show or something. <laughs> we are heroes, that's for sure. To, to many. <laughs> it's like Power Rangers or something. It's great. Um, yeah, so th- this is uh, yeah, th- this is going to go out on both feeds, right? So this is a, a Koshcast episode. It's also a Talk Shop episode. Um, so welcome to to listeners of both. Um, this is going to be mostly about football, though, as far as yes. I understand. I mean, it yes. could go off the rails, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you do join us on the night. Sorry, I, I'm very excited because you join us on the night that the mayor of Toronto um, resigned because it came out that he had an affair. So <laughs> that's exciting. At 68 years old, man, I, I didn't, I didn't know there he was he'd be capable. But well done, well done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's slightly impressive, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> Have details of the person he had an affair with come out? Do we know who that is or not? Just the age. Just How the old age. Is Thirty-one. Wow, bruv, <laughs> bruv, wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. Well, you know, I hope it was worth it for him. I hope it was worth it. There, oh, there is a. Yeah. Well, power, I was gonna say, Alex, there is there is a relation to today's topic. It's uh, abuse of power and uh, corruption. So very true. It, it, it's it fits. It fits. I promise you it does. <laughs> very very true. Good point, Penny. Um, so yeah, what what we're mostly here to talk about is uh, the noisy neighbors, Manchester City. Um, the Premier League have charged them with all sorts of uh, all sorts of wrongdoings. Um, mm-hmm. Bernie usually have a good handle on these things like what is the premier league actually charged them with a hundred things <laughs> <laughs> literally I mean, like like yeah yeah literally like there's a hundred charges of uh financial irregularities uh duh <laughs> um failure to disclose certain things and uh failure to cooperate with the investigation so there's all stemming from 2009 until 2018, though the failure to cooperate is up until even last year. Um, so it's it's pretty, pre- it's a pretty big deal, I, I, I believe. Yeah, Jim, do you any surprises here? No, not really. I mean, we've generally, I guess, people have praised Man City set up in general for like, the way they go about the football business and stuff like that. But we've always, most fans anyways, have had in the back of their mind, especially in recent years, but just generally, their financial practices and what they've reported and how they suddenly show up as top earners and blah, 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 has always been in the back of people's minds as, well, we know, first of all, just even in your local town, the fan base is not that big, so... And then your reach only, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're, um, if it's only your, uh, the country of your, your owners that are your, uh, your, your customers, you, you, there's no way if, just point blank period that you're, you're on the top of the money, money league with above Real Madrid, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, all these clubs. There's no way your fan base just, just does not support that. Can so I share a stat we've always with you? known. Oh, share. Go ahead. 
City haven't sold out a home game since 2017. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, it doesn't, even just from their stadium, there's no way. So we've always known that there's something dodgy with the accounting or whatever. And I'm, I, I'm, I don't know what the rules are when it comes to ownership, putting in money directly. I mean, I don't know if any of you actually know that, but I always wondered, well, you know, why couldn't they just do that? Why, why have to cook up the books? Why have to reclassify money injections as revenue when it really isn't, you know, which is where the problem comes from. I, I'm, I think of it from an accounting point of view, because that's where I, I am, you know, it, it's not wise. Obviously, you can have the the sponsor um, draw up invoices or whatever, but still, it's your it's your it's your actual owner sub businesses that is doing this, and it's clearly false. And we can't find the money actually moving, at least in the way you're talking. And you know, it's just bad. And I, I'm glad that it's coming out in terms of at least let's see exactly what it is. You know, see how how serious the Premier League is. Uh, all the reports I've heard, some people are saying that the Premier League is doing this so that the independent whatever that England is trying to establish or being called to establish is being shown that the Premier League has the ability to, to handle its own business. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all a show in its own sense. Uh, but hey, Good. at least something's happening. Yeah, at least something's happening. It's taken them four years, so I hope they have their ducks in a row. And Man City can't rock up with like twenty fucking lawyers behind <laughs> uh, what's his face. Did you see that? Did you see that video? <laughs> that video is always intense. I'm like, I'm impressed, but I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. There's no way those people are all in the conference room going over line by line stuff. Like, what's the point of showing that? Just to show you have a bunch of lawyers behind you. It's, just... it's like showing up to a football game with like all your subs on the pitch as well. It's <laughs> like makes no sense. There probably is someone in there that was less an associate, you know, like a lower person that just did copying of the pages, something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. He he gets some some airplay, you know, he's part of the team. <laughs> you can tell his family he's on the team. But the learning like, experience. Yeah, like fair enough. But like so yeah, it's good that's happening, and let's see what the Premier League do. I mean, I still don't have necessarily faith that they will do anything. Mm. But at the same time, the gravity of what they brought out, I see only two ways: either they don't do anything, or they do something heavy. I don't well, see it is, in between. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, if you go to the trouble, and even if it is just a move to kind of preempt the independent regulator that is supposed to come in, if you go to the trouble of spending ten years putting this stuff together. And then laying down a hundred, a hundred claims, like you're going to just look like idiots if you do nothing, even if it's minimal, even if it's like, I mean, a fine is pointless because they've got all the money in the world. But pointless even if it's just that. like you start next season nine points down or something, which is really not that big a deal for City. Like they've come back mm-hmm. from fourteen points down to beat Liverpool to a title. Um, at least it's something. <laughs> but they have to do something after going to all this effort, surely. Yeah. Yeah, they they like the the good thing is that there is no court of arbitration for sport here. Mm-hmm. So and it is an independent commission or whatever that's gonna be looking at this and there's no way that independent commission is not gonna say something. But correct me if I'm wrong, even though there is this independent commission, there's no appeal, they can still sue. 
right? Like the city can still like sue for damages in, in I don't know, regular court, right? That, that's still uh, possible, I would imagine. I think it is a possibility. I think the only, the appeal they do, okay, so one thing I, I learned is that they do have an appeal process, but it's not, you can't go to court of arbitration for sports to complain. So that's the difference. That means that, you know, you're appealing in terms of what they bring forward to prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. But it also means the Premier League has no time restriction in terms of how far it can go back to look at stuff. Whereas <laughs> Clearly, if you involve, yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially whereas if you involve the Court of Arbitration for Sport, you have a five-year period, which is what they use to defend themselves or pretty much get off from the last UEFA um, investigation. So the Premier yeah. League, in some sense, has that that um, latitude, uh, which is, I guess, good. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know how they're going to enforce it, what they're going to do. But yeah, like you said, they have everything. They have 115 charges. And if it, nothing sticks and nothing happens, that's just a stupidity on their part, I think. Mm-hmm. And Pep was wild. Into it. Pep went off today uh, saying that last time they were innocent and they were proven innocent, which is absolutely not what happened. <laughs> um, People don't like, understand that. City fans no. don't understand that. They were guilty. They just couldn't be held up to the guilt because mm-hmm. of um legal precedent or whatever it is i don't know what it is yeah just uh, they just tied them up for as long as they could and they ran out of time because of the the term limits that you that you mentioned um all right let's talk about this bernie what would your favorite punishment be or like what would you like to see happen but what do you think is appropriate (laughs) i mean let me let me just let me just kind of add a bit more context here which is that basically what what we're saying here what the premier league is saying is that for the last 10 years, City have cheated. Uh-huh. And so, like, it's massive. I mean, I, I did read someone, um, one of the writers at 442 tweeted something like, I don't feel particularly um, cheated by what City have done. They've won things fair and square on the pitch. And I'm just like, if you were going into, like, a duel, right, and both of you were given $10 to buy a weapon, and then the other person went and spent a thousand dollars on a grenade launcher and shot you. You're not going. You're not going to go. Well, it was on the pitch, so it was fair and square. Like <laughs> they've cheated massively. So, like, what do you actually think is appropriate? Here? I'm look. If you say it like that, Alex, right? Then the only fair thing to do in reality would be to strip them of every title that they won from the time that this investigation was conducted. Now, I'm. That is entirely unrealistic to expect yes. them to do that. There's no way in hell they're going to do that. Like, the Premier League has been marketing the Aguero in everything possible, right? Like, they're not going to just roll it back and be like, oops, sorry, actually, that doesn't count anymore. It's not going to work. No. Like, there's going to be some degree of pragmatism to this, this punishment. Now, they absolutely should remove all those titles and even the ones, like... Jose should have a title. Ole Gunnar should have a title. There should be no Aguero. This is what should happen, but it's not going to happen. And I think what will end up happening, and everyone might kind of accept to some degree, is you get like a thirty-point like deduction going into the next season or something like that. Because there is no way you're going to relegate them as well, which some people have talked about, like they did Calciopoli. They're not going to do that. They're Why just. Not? There's just no way they're going to do that. Like, I don't think they have the balls to relegate a team that rich. Like, I know in Italy they did it, but Italy is 
this country that has that is like awash with corruption scandals all the time. No rules. I, I don't believe that this our like this uh, sorry Abu Dhabi backed. This is a government entity <laughs> on this team, and you're going to relegate that? I don't see it. I don't see it. I think that that's the minimum they should do, in my personal opinion, is at least set them back one year in the championship. Right? That's the next level. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... I have full faith, and they can let them leave their people on the same, you know. The only problem is I don't know what the financial fair play rules are when you go down a level. I don't think it matters. I think everyone stays on the same revenue type share type wage bracket Mm. uh, calculation. So a year down in championship where they'll storm the championship just by talent, if they can keep everyone, which I think they can if it's going to be just a year. Um. I don't think that's too harsh. I don't think that'll harm Man City too much as long as they don't take away their titles. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I don't think a 30-point deduction doesn't guarantee that they suffer in any way other than come middle table, which I don't think is fair. I think middle table is still good enough for them to make the money from the Premier League that they probably would have. Um, unless it affects them going to Europe. So the year they put it in, if you're saying the next season, right, that they get a 30-point deduction to start, if they finish second this year, would they still get into Champions League? I don't think that's fair. Whereas if, <laughs> if you if you if you if you wait and relegate them, they don't qualify for Champions League. So things of that nature, my point is if you keep them in the Premier League, they can still earn at the same level. If you put them down, they can still earn quite a bit, but you know, you know, they they suffer in a different level. They feel embarrassed enough, you know, by beating that different level. Mm-hmm. They slum it out in that league. I fully expect that if they if it's gonna be a year banished, they can back themselves to keep everyone on their roster. You know, they don't have too many people with big egos there. I mean, De Bruyne is too old to complain. As long as it's getting paid, they can also just that learn nature. people out for one year. True, but my point is, I expect them to come right back up. You know, yeah. just by virtue. I don't know like if Pep. I, I don't know if Pep will leave. I don't know if it'll be bad. He said if they do find anything serious, that he will resign. So I guess liar, liar. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he does it though, because if he if he feels embarrassed enough, he might just do it. And honestly, you know, one thought that just came to my mind based on the athletic football podcast I listened to this morning. I think it was this morning. It won't be a bad shout so Vinny can get in there and bring them back up and be their coach. Because people, most people think if it's not going to be the Artetas or someone of that nature, it will probably be company because he's everyone likes him. He's a Man City legend. Shot. He's a good coach by all accounts at this point. Yeah, so people sense. think eventually he'll be City manager. Why not go to send them down, let him take them over and bring them back up? That would be perfect i mean again i think that maybe he's behind all of this because they did say an ex-city <laughs> employee was was cooperating maybe he's just organized no, this so that he can get there's the only job. one man there's only one man doing all this <laughs> and it's yaya toure with all the ah! it's, coming, it's coming back it's coming back to one them. they should have just bought the man a cake seriously but i think i, I think the thing is and 
like the problem is that it's strange to think that you know a lot of people are like like I, I know we'll end up talking about it about United and their ownership in this in sort of second half of this, but people look at it and go, well, how else? Like I heard someone say on the overlap that show with Gaz and um, Gaz and Kara and them, like how else were City supposed to compete? Like if they didn't like spend all this money, because their argument was actually FFP is bullshit. Like that it's actually put in there to stifle clubs like them and keep everyone else at the top. And Neville actually said something similar to that. And I thought, I mean, in every, like, if you take North American sports, for instance, right, they have worse than FFP. Like, salary cap and all that jazz, like, mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely worse. American and it's sports socialist. They basically are, right? And whether, whether yeah. we like it or not, or whether we agree with it or not, like, it, I don't think it's hurt those teams. I mean... Phoenix Suns just sold fifty-seven percent of their of their stake for two point something billion dollars. Like, like these clubs are doing are, are rich. Like they're doing really well. The brokest team there is doing really well, and the Premier League can do the similar thing. But all City have to do, like, look at Newcastle. Okay, I am not one to praise nation states for sports washing at all. But if you're gonna sports wash, yeah, there's a way to do it. <laughs> do it this way. <laughs> Because they haven't even done anything yet. Like really, yep. they bought they bought Isak for sixty mil. They haven't even started yet. Like yep. they they just haven't. When City first uh, got all this money, they started buying everyone from Arsenal. Remember, they just picked off all mm-hmm. the Arsenal squad. Because they're like, okay, those are talented guys. Let's do that. They haven't even started yet at Newcastle, and they're doing well. So you can't accuse them yet of anything and you probably won't because they've seen the formula here <laughs> they might pepper it in with like 100 million signing here 60 million signing there but they're not going to do what city did so in actual fact the argument is nullified you still can't compete with the biggest clubs on the pitch by doing the job of course it's also just plainly bollocks because like who have they been competing with liverpool who are not in breach of these these regulations i mean like God knows what's what's been going on at Chelsea for the last twenty years, but they haven't been pulled up on on anything apart from you know being owned by an oligarch. Um, you know, Leicester won the won the league. Arsenal are looking like they might do it this year. Like it's it's clearly possible to compete without doing what City did. Um, and what City really did was just dis- distort everything. Yeah. 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 They started the whole. Movement. I mean, people will say Roman, but Roman also did things within a specific. That's the thing. I, I want to understand the way owners can put money in because the way Roman did it, no one ever pulled it up for being illegal in terms of the owner directly injecting cash to buy players. I don't know if he did that or how he did that, but it must have been the way because no one's ever made a fuss about how Roman. You know, I think I think the context of that is that when Roman came in in 04, I think it was 04, 05, something like that, these rules weren't in place. Mm-hmm, like sure. you could you could do pretty much whatever you wanted to do at that point. Sure. So he he played by the rules that that he was under. But I remember when FFP really started to kick in, you notice Chelsea started doing that thing of buying like a bunch of young players from around the world, putting them them in their academy, loaning them out, and they were selling people like mad. Like, they made so much money off sales, and for a long time, Roman wasn't putting money in. The club was actually making money off 
all of these. Like we used to laugh. They have like fifty players on loan or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's how they sold people, and they made so much money doing it. While Man City were cooking books. Like again, Chelsea found a way to be creative, while Man City were just there cooking books. Like it's ridiculous. It's funny that Toboli do the same thing, kind of finding a new way to cheat the system legally, mm-hmm. you know, and cause causing FFP to then come in stronger because of what he did, which is really yep. smart. But yeah, I mean, again, it's doable. Obviously, United has the historical presence, despite our um, hands being tied by our owners. Clearly, revenue-wise, enough is generated to compete continuously in terms of in terms of buying the right players or competing that stratosphere of player, not really feeling left out. Obviously, sometimes we do, but like in general, we have the financial might to do that, it seems, anyways. Uh, unless something comes out and we see Ed Woodward was a dickhead from the beginning. <laughs> but generally, because they're on the NASDAQ and stuff, it's hard to be that bad in financial handling, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm sure there's nothing wrong there. So in terms of revenue generation, it was it's always doable as long as you have a way to generate revenue and circulate it. That's 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 the point. So the the city fans do have a point in terms of it would have been hard just naturally for them to do what they what they did. You know, city it's, it's, it's like that. saying true I don't know how to say it. It's like, again, I always see things like this on a different level. I see it through the lens of life in that no one's ever equal. There's always going to be the haves and have-nots. And I I, I, um, I believe in that. I, I don't support it, but I know that's the fact of life. So you can either try to figure out a way to get there within good means, like by like, like people like us, there's just work and you get comfortable and keep rising and keep doing the work or whatever. You know, or you cheat and steal, it happens, people get caught. My point is that that is life. So in a in a league, you know, that if you look at it like life, there's gonna be the few on the top for some reason or the other. And then there's gonna be those at the bottom that can't compete. And that's just you can't have competition if everything's all legit even. You know what I'm saying? There has to be an advantage, even if it's on the pitch. You know, something has to pip you. That's just competition. You know, somebody has to win. That's but how you I know look what, at it. So. You know what can cause the disadvantage? Like, if if you're the New York Knicks, right, and you just run stupidly. <laughs> like, again, the, the NBA is a league that is supposed to create equality. Everyone has the same amount that you can technically spend, right? Uh, or else you pay taxes to the league. And so everyone has the same pot, so to say, how you use it is ba- is is what determines what makes you good, and it's a similar thing with Man United in that it's the richest. You could say it's the richest club in the world. You could say that. You can, anyone can make that case, and they've spent just under Man City in terms of all the money. So a it shows that a club that's just generating revenue can spend shit ton of money, but spend it stupidly and also be run by a bunch of bunch of fucking pricks. So. They needed to just do what they needed to do on the pitch, and I think they got hasty, and they got hasty because the, like the objectives are very very different. Like you have the state that is trying to improve its image, and I didn't even know they had a bad image in the first place. I lived in Oman, I went to Dubai and Abu Dhabi all the time. I was like, this is great, this is wonderful. Like, what the fuck, I didn't know like like people hated these people or whatever. I didn't even know 
that they had human rights abuses. Like so, their sport, their their washing, whatever you want to call it, was brilliant for me. But but when you look at it and go, they were in a big hurry to win, and also because living in the Middle East, they love football so much. Like, mm. it's ridiculous. It's just not known globally, but they love it so much to a point that it's absolutely unhealthy. <laughs> so, and I really, really mean that. And un- just knowing what that, that area is like in terms of, like, football fever, it comes to me as no surprise that they would move heaven and earth to win the league and to try and become this. But that means that they play by a different set of rules in life in general, and they could not comprehend this. I mean, you we see in the emails where they're like, yeah, we need this amount of cash, and don't yep. say it in from here. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, these are people who just cannot fathom that these rules actually apply to them because rules have never applied to them. It, but, and, and to that point, like, putting it in an email. I mean, schoolboy era, like, at least do it on Signal or something. I don't know. Just like, <laughs> why are yep. you just emailing people about this? It's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, like the, the other the other thing is that this is this the money that they kind of uh, fraudulently added to their to their pot was not even necessary. Like it was it was money on top because as as you said, like everyone has all this TV money, right? Like this is what makes the Premier League teams so rich and which is why Bournemouth are bidding for Zaniolo and AC Milan. Like like the Premier League already has this massive advantage and City already would have had a ton of TV money every year just rolling in naturally. And they, what they decided to do was augment that and add to it with all this extra money from all the Etihad, various sub sub companies and what have you. So it, it wasn't like it was money that they desperately needed, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was the sweetener on top. Yeah. Uh, what What do you guys think yeah. is going to be the effect on the sort of on the pitch? Like, do you think? I mean, we saw Pep today. I I feel he might try and do a bit of siege mentality, but I don't know what what you guys think because they're in dire straits in this league for them anyway. <laughs> it must be a bit weird as a player. Like, how many are left, even, from that original group? Not that many. But maybe, like, a Bernardo Silva just being like, so what you're saying is the money that I was bought with was fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> just go out and play. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, some people have said it, it could create a siege mentality. It could. It could. I mean, it doesn't take much to kind of create that at a club or in a dressing room. Um, on the other hand, I'm like I'm not really sure the players would give a shit. If they went down, obviously a bunch of them will try and leave. You know, if they are thirty points down, as, as Chimney suggested, you know, maybe a bunch of them might might try and leave because they don't want to be involved in in that kind of struggle. But for now, I don't, I can't really see it negatively affecting them. I don't know if anyone else disagrees. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think so. The only reason why I say I, I think. Okay, actually, I do think it might slightly. One, I just we just know that Pep seems to get rattled in his own way and then just do mad things on the pitch trying to compensate for it. So mm-hmm. based on the press conference today, I'm not too confident that he can hold it together and be ration, ra- have any <laughs> rationale when he's thinking about things. You know, it may, may be a couple of games that they'll dip, but it won't be like a long-lasting, like, Fall off, but at the same time, 
we haven't been in a situation where they already have a struggle on the pitch and they already seem to not have everything together. So the cumulative effect, I don't know. There may be something there. Maybe it's wishful thinking, you know, on my part. Um, but um, that's the only way I think it could affect them is that they're already kind of shaky. And, you know, only God knows what it will take to tip them over. But um, I don't expect it to be something where they tumble down the table or anything. I just think it'll be a, okay, we're not catching Arsenal. We're struggling for second also type of situation. So that's the max it will be. And then at the end of the season, or however long, if it, if it ever comes to the point where we're sure about the end, and that's another question to have is how long you think this investigation will take? When do you think it will take hold? Uh, we already kind of said we don't think anything retroactive will happen. So so there's that. So, you know, this could take four years. You know, it could take four months. We don't know. But it seems like it's going to be fought tooth and nail. Um, so, yeah, where does that leave the verdict, you know, I, I have no idea. Um, so I think they'll they'll skate through this the rest of the season. I think they already have issues that they want to sort. So um, not sure how that'll go, but I think the cumulative effect could just make them falter a little bit, just to the point where, you know, Arsenal runs away with it type of thing. Not that it's going to be so devastating for them tumbling down the, the table or anything. That's my thought anyway. Fair enough. I mean, they do have Villa on Sunday, and if I was in this situation, I'd be pretty happy to come up against like Tyrone Mings <clears throat> you know, on a weekend where you just need to win. Oh, but, for my uh, for my FPL, they, they they need that. Like, I need that. Holland is my <laughs> triple captain this weekend. So, <laughs> if they play the same up. way they've been playing and not using Holland to his strengths, I'm sorry. Tyrone Mings will wrap him up and just you know just be there. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know who who Pep thinks he is that he's not letting them change their game. This boy makes runs every three seconds that are like fantastic that anyone can see and no one pushes the ball to him. I don't get it. You know, okay. only De Bruyne when he came on, but even then, when De Bruyne starts, I've noticed that it's not as quick as you would want it to be. You know, but that's so, exactly the thing though. Like. They bought Haaland, and when De Bruyne is on, at least when I've watched City this season, when De Bruyne is on, that's all he looks to do. He looks up, he tries to play Haaland through, but then they haven't been using De Bruyne lately, and no one else really does that to the same extent. I really think there's something going on with Pep, and if this might be his own version of when Fergie pushed out, like, Keen and people of that nature that were still kind of good enough to play, but he just thought it was time because the Cancelos, the Bernardo Silva that's been trying to leave for two years, there just seems to be those kind of cracks coming up. You know, that's what I'm seeing anyways. It's not, and it's not as drastic as what's going on in, in Liverpool, but there's something, there's an undercurrent in the dressing room, I think, mm -hmm. that's causing issues for them. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just being stubborn. Why? What, why? What's the reason not to play Kevin De Bruyne if he's not injured? You know what I'm saying? I just don't get it. That last game, it didn't make any sense. There was no reason at all. You know, it's not like his form from the game before was terrible or anything. I mean, I don't know, but he had a horrible World Cup. But Belgium did as a whole, and he came back mm -hmm. and was okay. So, like, I don't know what the reason is, but it's just it's just weird. Something is going on in that club right now that 
is rattling all of them. Uh, long may continue, but I, <laughs> oh man. Um, I just want to take this to talk about the other side of Manchester. Um, naturally there are two of us, but this, I think, I think is very applicable because so Alex, um, Jim and I had a little, um, I mean, it wasn't anything, but it was just more of a discussion on the, on, on no our, argument. on our, no, not even no. just an expression of views. <laughs> Jim and I are the other are the level-headed ones in that in that chat. There there are some people that infuriate me, and I'm like midnight, and I have to respond. But Chimney's mm. you know, not one of them. But um, all this stuff that's happening with City is very much a reason for me in my mind why I want very little. I won't say nothing, but I'll say very little to do with the idea of a nation state taking over Manchester United. And people can talk about Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Qatar all they want. I don't care if it's like Spain. I don't care like if it's Nigeria. I, I'm not particularly interested in a nation running my football club mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. One, I don't even know why a nation is doing this. <laughs> like, like, I get it. Everyone in their country has land free, met free medical care and they have everything they need. Like they have overflow of money. And in some ways, you can justify it as an investment. I, I can I can grasp that to some degree. But what I really don't like about the whole thing is that, again, these are people that are subject to a different set of rules. And they're going to circumvent things, whereas when you're a business, right, and you're being run as a business who have to report your finances and all sorts of things and act like a business, not to say that businesses haven't done shady shit. They absolutely have. But you have... Shareholders that you're beholden to, even if you're private, by the way, you still have, uh, in in the case of whoever else, like Bowley and stuff, there are investors that they are beholden to, and that means that you have to act in a certain way. It ju- it just means you do, and I also don't want my club to get potentially caught up like Roman in some kind of political, you know, dick measuring contest where they can literally take your club away from you. Because you you are part of a, a system that does something to another country, so to me those are just red flags upon red flags upon red flags. Where I'm like, I'm not interested in this as a result of this. But there are lots of United fans who are like, well, Qatar has all this money, and we'll get a new stadium, and we'll do this and do that. And I'm like, yes, that's fine, but it's not as if players don't rock up to Old Trafford, which is crumbling, and go, oh my god, this is amazing. I still I want to play here. Like Sabitzer is on record saying that. And he plays in a nicer, newer stadium every day. He was on a record saying, this is the theater of dreams. It still is. So the new stadium and stuff is all nice. I understand it. It's leaking. I get it. <laughs> you know, but people need to stop pretending as if this isn't Manchester United, who people are still falling head over heels to invest in and put money in and think they'll get something in return. It still is. You don't necessarily have to go nation state in order to progress. That's mm-hmm. That's my rant off my chest yeah so so that that was bernie's version and i and i i i've thought about it afterwards right and there's pros and cons on all sides but i'll say what i was saying with him is that and i'll bring in i'll say what i'm going to say about my retort to what he said but at the same time i've, I've rethought it so I'll, I'll tell you my other side now i just simply do not want any ounce of bank debt on our books in terms of if United is free of any debt 
we can literally generate from me paying for a jersey straight into their coffers. Obviously, it's not straight. It's through Adidas or whoever it is. And it goes on their line, and they can use that to buy someone without thinking of anything else. I also, and this is part of my other thought, is even if, let's just say, the people we know are in for us. So we have the nation states, whichever one you want to pick. We have Ineos, which I have my reservations about. And then we have probably some kind of private equity akin to what Toboli has going on in Chelsea. Either one of those, they'll buy up or pay for or pay down or release the debt that the Glazers currently have, right? We all know the same uh, theater of dreams that we've just discussed needs refurbishing, breaking down, changing, whatever it is. Carrington, the same thing. Easily another 2.5 to 3 billion on top of the purchase price. That is not going to be, unless you're owned by a nation state or someone that's wealthy enough to actually put his money in his, his hand in his pocket and put it out, that's going to be $3 million worth of debt, right? I don't know how it's structured at Tottenham. No one makes noise about it because the stadium is pretty, so no one cares what it's it is. It's a billion dollars worth of debt they took for that. But that is a lot of money. And you still, mm-hmm. the money, the reason why Levy can't just willy-nilly pay like everyone is saying he should do we saw the financial reports that came out. What was it yesterday or today? Mm-hmm. They can't just—they—they have a million dollar, a billion dollars to pay off. Like, you know, yeah. think about it from your home too. Like, you—you you can't just—you're taking off one debt, right? But there's gonna have to be debt. The only reason why I, I would not mind the nation state is because I feel like we can escape from debt generally for at least a while, right? For a long time. My only worry, obviously, is if they if they put their hands in their pockets, the stadium changes from Old Trafford to fucking Qatar, whatever, whatever, right? So that's yeah. that's where the danger comes. Other than that, there's no clean way to stay away from debt. People don't get that. If we want all these changes, we're gonna have to borrow heavily. This is not even. It's not gonna be glacial level. The only reason why it annoyed us is because we just kept on paying interest, and they. The reason why they did pay interest because they could have paid principal down if they were good people, but they paid only interest so they could stave off that balance because they, they did want to sell the company, right, and get that paid off, and be able to also take cash out in dividends. That's the only reason why they did that. If you were any other person, like again, like you own a home, you wouldn't just pay interest. You would pay principal and interest in the hopes of cutting down that balance. They didn't, and they purposely didn't for the reason we just discussed, right? So. Why do you want to at six hundred million dollars seems like a big number debt wise right now? But again, if we need to do everything we need to do, the reason why they <clears throat> can't do it because they know what they have to do it is borrow more, north of two billion dollars. Think about it. That is a lot of debt for any club. We are rich; we can generate money, but that's going to be a problem constantly on our books for years and we need to do it i'm not saying we don't need to but we need to change that stadium to some extent we need to change carrington to catch up and we need to continue buying players just think about that investment that's not something any investment group is going to do willy-nilly jim radcliffe doesn't have the cash to do that Ineos, i'm actually glad that it's not just jim radcliffe as an individual coming to this I'm glad that Ineos is part of the equation, too, because that gives me some more comfort. But still, 
that's a proper business that would do it the way any other business would do. They will borrow that $2 billion. Yeah. And that'll stay on you forever, right? But can, it's can fine. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering why that matters so much in that. Um, and I know that it's kind of, this is kind of like your field, right? So maybe mm-hmm. it, it kind of more. No, it, I'm not sure. I'm just like nearly, as you said, nearly all clubs have have debt, right? Mm -hmm. No one's going to buy buy things, a new stadium, a training ground, whatever. With all the money up front, they'll they'll get Mm -hmm. a loan, they'll pay it off over time. Um, Mm -hmm. They'll get favorable rates because they have so many assets and they have you know great credit. Um, So like, what's what's really like as long as it's healthy debt. What's really the problem? Like every every country okay. does the same thing. Like we invest okay. in everything that we need and we and we pay for it with debt. Let me let me explain. The reason why I think it'll be a problem is first of all, this is not going to be if we think Tottenham's billion dollar debt, billion pound debt is huge, like this is gonna be much more than that. So you're gonna rely on then making enough money to pay that off and still compete. I feel like I don't know how much money we make a lot of money, granted. But cash is going to be strained. Trust me when I say that at some point we won't be able to spend like the team wants and needs because of cash restriction. It's just, we, I don't know how, what do you think uh, annual principal and interest payments for a $2 billion loan looks like? Well, sure. well l- let me tell you why it doesn't bother me that much. Because when I look at a team, like in football, right, all you're trying to do is compete and win as much as you can win, right? And when you look at Real Madrid, who have won everything and continue to win everything, their 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 debt from their stadium alone is the same one billion that Tottenham have. And what they've done is like, you know, I think there was there were a couple seasons where they didn't really spend anything, like in recent memory. Yeah. And to a United fan right now, you'd be like, this is insane. But to a team that's well run, Right, they bought a bunch of Brazilian youngsters like years and years and years ago, and the more you look at it now, the more you, the more I realize is this was actually a strategy that they did in place, knowing we're gonna stop spending for a little bit. We just I are, agree. right? I agree. And they they put that in, into place, and thank God, I mean, Vinicius, that has worked. Rodrigo is on his way to working, right? And there are a bunch of other ones that they've got in there, but even with that debt, and even with that, they've spent well. Chouamani's been a good signing, but then they got rid of Varane for $34 million at the right time for them. They got That's rid of Casemiro for $60 million. We, we're, we're loving it, but it was the right thing for them to do. The problem is, for me, is every company, right, be it Apple, who has trillions of dollars. Apple doesn't actually need to take debt, but they still do, for whatever reason. Like, they actually have cash on hand. They don't need to do it, but they, but, but they do. Ineos is a 60-something billion dollar revenue company. If They they will take debt to do this deal and whatever. But again, they don't really have to. And my thing is that when I look at Real Madrid and the way that they operate, I go, they're going to have that stadium. And what they're going to do is think of it like a mortgage, right? Where after a certain amount of time, the debt is completely gone. They own it. And then they're looking for the long term. Mm-hmm. Where I would be very concerned from a Manchester United point of view, is if a hedge fund bought us. Not necessarily an Ineos. Like a company become part of the portfolio of the long term. Sure, they might look to sell you off and get more, you know, uh, reinvest. But at $6 billion, if you're buying something at $6 billion, maybe eight, 
when you include infrastructure, it's very hard to move that even in 10, 15 years. Let's be real. It'll be very, very difficult to move that. So whoever is coming in is going to have it for a long time. But hedge funds, that's what they specialize in. Like Chelsea will be sold in four or five years. Like, let's, let's be real. That's what they were bought for. That's why they're doing all this nonsense and spreading and pushing payments out for eight years. Because in four years, they don't have to care about it anymore. It's similar to the Glazers in many ways, except they're not at least seen to be assholes who are taking out dividends because they're not public and all that jazz, right? The, the, the simple fact of the matter is it could hurt us, to your point, but it could also just be common business practice. Whereas, again, you go with the nation state, you have all these impl- potential implications. Like, look, look at Qatar. It's hilarious how they're saying it won't be QSI. It'll be it QIA. Be Q. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when you look at the board and they're like, there's no conflict. But someone went to the website and posted a picture. Do you see that? Of the board of both. And yeah. and uh, uh, Bin Khalifi is on, is on both. <laughs> so, like, my whole thing is I, I just want someone to run the club properly. And I think I've seen enough businesses do effectively what this is and be run fine. I mean, IBM just bought Red Hat for $30 billion. <laughs> I know they didn't have that on hand. And that investment is doing pretty well. The, the company grows every year and every year. My my concern isn't the fact that there'll be debt. My concern is who is taking on the debt and who is managing that debt. And the Glazers, look, they use the club as collateral for the in the first place. None of these people will be able to do that. Use the the club and its and its interests as collateral. No, there ha- there will be other things that they have to put on as collateral, which is what I've seen from Goldman Sachs in relation to um, Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos. Mm-hmm. I get where you're going, and I think you make a lot of sense. You can have like a, the best five billion dollar stadium if you go, you know, Qatar or Dubai or whoever. But I don't know, man. If Qatar bought, if Qatar does some shit in Yemen, not that I, not that I know that they do. It's just I know that people do shit to Yemen. Like if they did, and then the UK goes, "Yo, y'all need to fuck off, and we're gonna put sanctions on you," then that's that's a big problem. That's Again, big... There's, there's pros and cons. There's things we can bring out from both sides to say it's an issue. I do, I do think the most straightforward way, like you said, running like a business. Ineos is probably the best situated to do it. Like you said, hedge funds, the stringent, they 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 have the they run the risk of being even more stringent spending wise. They may they may have a strategy like like Todd Bowley does in terms of spend a specific way for the future for a specific reason to push things out. But they also can turn around and when you think you need the most investment, say we're not doing any more for a specific period and just shut off the tap. Like automatically, that kind of thing. Just cause it's it's people like them that they operate like 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 tech companies, you know. They can just fire people just because they need to save costs, just because you know for a period, and then rehire again, you know that kind of thing. So there's ups and downs with every selection. Um, you know, but let, let me let me ask you guys this, um, the both of you, the way that I've always wanted United to be run, and I think Ferguson even alluded to this, is effectively Bayern Munich. Like, I understand we're not going to get fan ownership. It's just not going to happen. Unless someone in the ownership goes, hey, we'll give us a, a share to fans, whatever, to win them over. I don't see it happening. However, the way that they're run, which is that they're fully self-sufficient, the way that we used to be, 
before the Glazers. And they 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 don't really spend that much, except they just pilfer from the rest of Germany. But when they want to spend, they will. When they really want to, they will. But they still are the one of the best teams in Europe. They're still I mean, they just won the Champions League a couple of years prior, no? Like they don't spend that much money, really. Their net spend is pretty good. I'd rather be that than Ooh, we have to spend a hundred million right now on Jack Grealish. <laughs> that is true, right? But if you look at the back of it, right, Bayern Munich, what they do, like you said, they they have a base in Germany where they go get good talent from, so they're able to restore their talent pool, right? But that also stems from their academy. So they've made a concerted effort in conjunction with Germany, just in general, the German FA, to improve grassroots football in general and use that as their base to get talent and just continue continually be on top for that reason right so the problem we have right now is that starting with roman and everyone else joining the premier league is very there's very little latitude to do that kind of thing now at least that's what i think it's very hard to compete at the level that we think we should be competing while doing those kind of things, you know, starting now. So I think that's the problem. The problem I see is that the competition is not getting any easier to catch. If you lag behind, you're gone. You know, obviously we've, we've one could say United has lagged behind for a while and we're not gone. So that's fair. You know, we're not too far behind, even though we've done stupid shit for a while, <laughs> but like, I'm just worried that the way the Premier League is going, there will be a point where if you don't do the right thing, if you don't step on people's necks, sorry to be um, brutal about it, but there's a brutality to the Premier League now that I see getting worse before it gets any better. Mm-hmm. You know, and so <clears throat> that model that Bayern has is ideal, but they their circumstances around the Bundesliga and German FA help them to get there. The Premier League will not offer us that. The PF, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing the FA is going to do to help that situation for one team, you know? So we there's several infrastructure backings that United cannot secure and have to ensure that they are operated that way. It's just, just not possible the way the environment is. That's, that's where that's my worry is. So, like, I get it, right? But anyways, that's the reason why I'm most worried is that, you know, I would rather just... If you can't beat them, join them. I'll be honest with you, man. That's, I, I, it's been how many years now? We need to win, and I know that it's going to get worse. The, so, only time, yeah. the only reason why I have hope is that any nation state, I just feel like Newcastle is doing it right. I feel like anyone coming in after that, even if they have money, will try to keep their noses clean, Even especially yeah. after City right now. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason why I'm like, I'm not too worried about nation states because they, they know the backlash and the scrutiny they're under at this point. So why would they risk that is my thinking. You know, why would they risk that? They're more savvy. They know what it entails to be in the football world now. It's not like Saudi, like, um, like Abu Dhabi at City where they came in and they were the first to do it and they, you know, they just ran with it. There's more out there to teach you what to do. There's more experts to bring in to do the right way. There's more of those abilities now, you know, to make things right instead of doing it stupidly. That's that's my thought, anyways. That that's true. That's true. The mod, the models are are in place to to do it sensibly. But 
like from a from a fan perspective, um, and, and look, there's no there's no good billionaire. Like you know, you, you're choosing from it's all degrees of 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 evil at this point, right? But and at a certain level, the only people who are left that can afford to buy these clubs are are nation states, and that's a problem. But from a fan perspective, and maybe you know, maybe I'm not representative, but once a nation state takes you over and injects the kind of money that that um, City have and that Newcastle will. To me, I would just feel like, what is this for? Like, this isn't for me anymore. Um, and you can make these claims about a hedge fund as well, but to to a lesser extent, I just I just think there's a there's a real kind of flagrancy about being subject to a nation state where you know what what they're doing and why they're doing it, and it's got really nothing to do with your football club. It's just a vehicle. It's just a political pawn. It's not you know, it's not, I, I, I don't want to be too romantic about it because we're that, that ship has sailed a long time ago, but there are, de- there are levels to this, right? There are degrees. And I just, I would just feel as a fan, like, what, what is the point? Like, what's the point of just like having these people come in, buy all the best players, and then we win? I don't know. Maybe City fans were really, really satisfied with that because it, for a long time, the club was, was shit. Um, but you know, we we know we know and speak fairly regularly to a City fan, um, Dan Rouse, who works at the Score, who much preferred supporting City when they were a normal club. And I get that because it, like, it, when you win, it means something. And there, there are, <clears throat> I, I think we've all felt this to an extent. Maybe less so for you because Man United fans, but I think everyone kind of feels a bit indifferent towards Man City. Like when they win, it doesn't really count. It doesn't matter. It's just like a big soulless whatever. Like we would all rather they win than a different rival. You know? What yeah, I mean? because you don't have to care. You don't have to <laughs> yeah. care. It doesn't mean anything. Sure. And so, as a fan of a club that that would be bought out by one of those, I just I would hate it. It would just but dilute really, how much you, how I feel about that's, it so much. I feel like that's just a consequence of who City are. Because really and truly, do you see, again, we have an example that's cropping up. Do you really think Newcastle winning will not be exciting? We wouldn't care? It will be exciting for the fans. Yeah, I mean, they showed up the first weekend with tea towels on their heads. Like, (laughs) they do not give a shit. And that's why I said maybe, you know, I'm not representative maybe. But I don't know. I think think it's also a case of, like, Chimdi Chimdi brought up Newcastle, right? And I think... There is this thing of, and I think it's wrong, but there is this idea that Newcastle is the sleeping giant. And I think having Kevin Keegan back in the past and having Alan Shearer and, like, you know, Brian Robson, there is this weird thing. They haven't won a damn thing in 50 years, by the way, so they're no sleeping giant. But that's how people perceive them. Man City were just shit. Like, they were literally just seen (laughs) as pure shit. So when they start winning, a lot of people go, the fuck is this but like i think i think that has something to do with it that people are literally like in their minds newcastle in their minds have been this big team i don't know where they got this pr from but it has been in people's minds so people don't really mind that much they're a well-supported club they pack the stadium like they're 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 big right like they're they're, big they're big they're big i mean i mean it's it's there's only a handful of clubs that, that are like that. I think even their um, 
their rivals in some extent are bigger than them. What's their teams again? Um, Sunderland. Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, popularity-wise, just everything we know about Sunderland, they're they're historically, I think they're even bigger in my opinion. But They've they're a big club, players. right? They're big. <laughs> they're a big club. So like. Um, you're right. The city, though, no one cares because of their history, right? But th- my point is, right, we have Newcastle to go off of, and I'm not sure the same. What's the what's the the lack Brittany. of care we have for for city will not translate to us if we had Arab backing. It won't. It simply won't. You know, it'll make us more annoying in terms of the world. It'll be gargantuan. But I don't. I don't even think that. I don't think they need to do anything other than liberate us from the Glazers to, to just to have done their job. Everything else, literally, we can literally run off of our own revenue. That's me. I guess that's the only thing I just keep thinking about. I just don't want any anyone to any bank to be holding cash that I can use for a player. Not saying that we should be splashing cash willy nilly. I just don't want any football restrictions because of budget constraints. And that's how I feel because we can make revenue enough to purchase or do whatever we need to do, run as a football club without any debt, anything big holding us back. That's my issue. But, but isn't, I'll, isn't I'll, this house sorry Bunny. Isn't this how City okay. got into this mess in the first place? Like there are supposed to be budget constraints in football. That's that's kind of the point. Yeah, but the reason why it, they got into trouble is because no one believes that they have the revenue that they're saying. <laughs> if United has no debt, we can literally run on that model of don't spend over a certain amount because your revenue, you know what I'm saying? We can actually literally show our books and show this is what we earn and whatever. It's it's not it's not unbelievable compared to City, is my point. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I think where you're I think where you're going with this is that and, and and I'm gonna give an example of Arsenal in a minute, but from a United point of view, right? If these this Qatar nation state, like say they just they have eight billion dollars lying around and they go, here, we're gonna use it to buy this football club, right? That means right off the bat, you go training ground, stadium, and the cost of buying the club, right? And then from an operational standpoint, the club just runs on its own, right? So the club will then from from that point forward, pay for players and whatever off the revenue. Whereas if you're from a any other thing, eh, there's, there's, there's going to be a loan or something. You owe somebody. Even if it's a hedge fund, you owe somebody money. And then your profits... You know, some of that profit, not all of it, over time, some profit goes to paying those people. I understand that, and that's fine. I, I have the political implications there. What bothers me is what Manchester... Like, for me, I, I, Alex is just doesn't want to be romantic. I will be romantic. Because part of what always attracted me to Manchester United was this, you know, Busby Babes, this youth thing. Like... You get, you get into the culture of what Manchester United is, right? And the fact that they were a PLC, I think the first PLC of any football club in England or something like that, if, if, if I'm right about that. So they were fully self-sufficient, no debt, all that stuff. They were good, generating all this money. And then you look at it when Chelsea came in and they were buying, quote-unquote, foreigners, which sounds xenophobic now in this world. United were not doing that. They were the British team, which... Again, as you're older, you start to realize it may not be a great thing, but whatever. At my youth, you go, yeah, you're representing the country that you're in. Arsenal doing the same thing, foreigners, you're still attracted to your principles and traditions. And in my mind, I'm like, this is what it should mean at that point in my life to be a football fan. 
in that I am in this culture of this football club. I'm in it. I support it. It's thick and thin. <laughs> like, this is what it is, right? And this feels like the other thing that the romantic about Jim Ratcliffe is he's a United fan, right? And people go, he's a United fan. He's a good businessman. He, he probably will be the person who will think about the culture of the club more so than anyone else. Whether that's true or not is a different thing. Hypothetically, that's what a lot of people will think about. And when I think about the fact that he's a good businessman, at least on, from what Ineos is doing, I'm comfortable with the business side, and the cherry on top is the cultural side of it. And as and I feel like, you look at Arsenal right now, they hated Kroenke and whatever, whatever, but they're top of the league and they did it right. They're probably going to win this league by doing the complete opposite of what Man City did. Did it the right way. Built it patiently. They had debt from the Emirates and they suffered for a bit. But then it's going to feel all the more sweeter that they did it with exactly. young players. Many who came through the academy or many they bought for cheap. And they coached and developed and they won. It's just, that's the way I want to win shit. Sure. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Like Arsenal fans, I bet like in some ways this would be sweeter than almost any of the Wenger titles. In some way, absolutely, it will because 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 of the hard times. That that and that's times, that's yeah. exactly the th- what I think. And I, I I rant about this a lot, so forgive me. But like you you mentioned something very um, prevalent there, Bernie, through thick and thin. And I think a lot of fans, at least you know online, I'm sure there are plenty plenty more reasonable football fans elsewhere. But I think a lot of fans of the the you know the big clubs, the elite clubs, have forgotten that thin is part of the experience or, or it was, or it's meant to be I just, like, no one has, no one has the divine right to, to win all the time. No one has the divine right to get all the best signings. Sometimes you need to go down and spend a couple years being a mid table team so that you can build back up and being out of Europe for a year has always helped Chelsea win the league, right? Like they, they crash, they finish 10th and then they win the league. Like you just have to go through that as a football fan. It's a cyclical sport. And, and so I think, you know, we've seen it with Liverpool fans this year. They've had a brilliant five years. They'd be pissed off now, right? Because City stopped them winning a lot more than they, they could have, maybe. But they've had a brilliant five years. That's what you live for. They were terrible for 30 years, and then they were great. And now they're having a bad season, and a lot of people are losing their minds. And you and I, Bernie, on the Koshkast, have been like, chill out. <laughs> like, you've just had a brilliant five years. This year's a bit shit. All right, next year might be great. Like, that's just part of being a football fan. And I think we've lost that a little bit somewhere along the way. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's true. That's very true. I agree. Yeah, but let's see what happens. Because I'm, I'm laughing because no one wants to buy Liverpool. <laughs> <Cut>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, listen, eventually someone thing, extremely rich is going to buy Man United and, like, you guys will be fine. Most annoying thing is that I, I saw um, Sky Cave, who I think him and Darmesh, between both of them, I think they're <laughs> idiots, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I saw him saying, oh, um, for most investors, it would probably be a better prospect to buy Liverpool. Obviously, there's arguments to say, yes, that's probably true because... They are, in theory, already set up. Again, the $2 billion we talked about having to be spent on top of purchasing United, they don't need that because they've fixed uh, what's it called, Melwood or whatever it's called. Well, well they, and, they fixed and, Melwood, but they need 
a little bit more money for Anfield. For Anfield, so, yeah. But either way, they've done what the main stand, you know, they've done a few things, right? So the investment is not as great. And then the team, in theory, past, past five years have been great. So reinvesting in the team would not be as stressful, right? In theory. But I, I always thought that's if you put them together, yeah, Liverpool is big too. But like, there's only one team that can generate the money back as quickly as you you know what i'm saying it's just there's i I know we say it all the time i truly believe it there's there is something if you compare united to real madrid and barcelona i think those are the only two that you can compare in terms of mystique around the world easily is like still top notch and this is a united that's 10 12 years in the shit Mm -hmm. you know so like it's just incredible when you think about it like that. So, anyways, uh, whatever. I just I think I have a funny feeling it'll end up being Jim Radcliffe. But even though people like Ross Norwood or whatever his name is on Twitter are saying it's it's, it's uh, Dubai, which everyone's dismissed except for him, saying mm-hmm. that's already done. Uh, until this last summer, usually when he says something, it's usually one and done, and he usually just gets it right. But this last summer, he gaffed in some stuff particularly De Young, so um, I don't, <laughs> don't trust him anymore. So, we'll see. I have a funny feeling it'll be Jim Ratcliffe, but you never does, know. Does, uh, does Romano do takeover stuff? He barely knows anything. <laughs> Just knows the same shit everyone else knows, really. Stuff like this really shouldn't come out. Really, if, 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 if what's their name, Ring Group is doing their job, it really shouldn't come out until it's official. No. The only reason why it would be official is because United is a public company. So that's the only reason why it should even come out. Um, so, yep. yeah. I just, just random, real quick. I watched Rio's five interview with that Nigerian guy trying to buy a Sheffield. Have you guys heard about this? No. You didn't I'm know scared. about Dozy something? He's the, the founder of um, Tingo or Tango, something like that. It's an agri tech company. He's a Nigerian billionaire. Dozy Mumbosi? Dozy, yes. He's trying I to never buy heard of Yeah, Made I didn't hear about it until... By Sheffield United. Yeah, I I didn't know about it until I saw that Rio was interviewing him. I'm like, who is this guy? Actually, I'd heard about it before. First, I didn't think he was Nigerian. Secondly, it was like, okay. But I watched the whole interview, and it's, it's legit. He's definitely like a full evil Nigerian guy, you know, you know. Mm. His his own version of Dangote, you know, kind of in the agriculture space also. But anyways, it just found so, it interesting. So what you're saying is that's my second team now. <laughs> Sheffield United. Yeah. He said he literally I don't know, he just came about he was he was upfront. He just said it was opportunist. He heard that it was possible to buy it. He went to Sheffield to visit just to see if it's even worth it. Went to a bar, had a pint of people in Sheffield. <laughs> And he was like, oh, these people have a lot of spirit for the team. Then he went to speak to whoever the owner is. I think it's some kind of royalty owns it right now. Prince I'm just something. reading this. I, I, sorry, this just blew my mind. It says, this article says um, that Mwasi says that he began discussions with the club's owner, Saudi Arabia's Prince Abdullah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh? Sorry, mm-hmm. the Saudis yeah, own literally, Sheffield United? Yeah, he, he literally went, I think it's an independent prince. I don't think it's the same but anyways he literally said he was i listened to the whole interview he said he went to a bar he got a feel for sheffield then he said okay 
I'm going to reach out to the president, the, the owner. He had a meeting with the guy, and the guy is willing to sell. So now they're going through the process. Wow. So, yeah. Nigeria to the world. I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, I was just it's just funny. The whole takeover thing, the whole buying football clubs thing is pretty hot in the last how many years? Now? Five, mm-hmm. six years now. So, like, it's just interesting understanding what's going on there. And the EFL is a little bit different from Premier League, obviously, and how they do things. But they're obviously connected. So mm-hmm. he's just being asked to provide different things and prove this and that. There's a section in the interview where I was like, ah, dude, you're sounding a little bit sketchy. But I just realized he's 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 a serial entrepreneur. Like He tried to start an airline in Nigeria, which I'd never heard about wow. currently. Um you know, they questioned some in, in starting the airline. He had to put an address when he registered the business, and it was a temporary house he had in London. So people were thinking it was sketchy, but he, he was like, I literally registered because I wanted to jump on it quickly, and I just put a house as the address of the of the, of the company. It's not a big deal. Like, I'm allowed to do that, you know. But, anyways, it was just, he, he spoke truthfully. He didn't hold anything back. They asked him all the questions. It was Rio and Jobea interviewing him uh, it, it's on it's on five it's on five you can watch the whole thing it's like 30 minutes I think. cool so it's impressive That's interesting so we keep keep an eye on that yeah um but yeah so we we should probably wrap but just before we do one last question that's just occurred to me if if you had to if your football club had to be owned by one country which country would you want it to be owned by Oh, what a question, mate. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Alex, this is this is this is crazy. You can't ask this question. This is this is, this is absolutely crazy. I, I've, got, uh, I've got a thought. If you if I if you want me to buy you some time, yes, please. You guys know about Norway's sovereign wealth fund? I've heard about that. Yeah. Okay, so my answer would be Norway based on this, right? So basically, Norway was a poor country. Then I think in the 60s, they they found a bunch of oil. And instead of just like splurging all the money, they decided that they would invest it all, all the money that they got from the oil. A certain percentage every year goes towards paying for all the social programs and whatever the country actually needs. And then they just live off the money that they make from all these investments, which are all like very sustainable. Um, and they reinvest all that money into climate stuff. So like obviously the harmful effects of the oil are somewhat somewhat kind of uh, alleviated um it's just incredibly sensible and they're going to be good for like years because they've they've managed this so smartly wow i have to admit i didn't know about that public fund check it out so they they actually have a website where they just they show you on a map all of the companies that they invest in it's amazing Nice. nice so I'm gonna go with an Arab nation state. <laughs> Come on. I knew it. Okay. I'm I gonna it. go with Oman. <laughs> I knew it. One, because I lived there and had a great time, and B, because I currently have no idea if they're engaged in any human rights abuses. <laughs> and I know they're wealthy because of oil, so I could. I, I, you know what? I could just plead ignorance on that one. So yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm going. Fair enough. That's a good question. I think if I, if I wasn't gonna say a a a Middle Eastern nation state, 
I just I was always always hoping for a situation kind of like Leicester, but with richer people. So like, mm. um, someone from Asia again who likes football, and is just a very wealthy person and can just do it. I, I wasn't thinking about a country necessarily, but just someone that you know he can prove all the wealth, whatever. They can prove all the wealth. They are actually have businesses. Someone like this dozy guy, but much richer. Just, mm. you know, he can actually do it. The problem I have with Jim Ratcliffe is he physically can't do it on his own, just on his on his own back, you know, which is which is sad, but I mean, it's not his fault. He's not that mega rich to just buy it, right? So some yeah. something to that effect, you know. But there's only a handful of people. Only a handful. People like musk levels or people of that nature but those guys are american and they won't buy it just purely out of love for the sport you know who was it remember the dude that bought cardiff and then changed malaysia blue and then he changed their kit to red because it was lucky and (laughs) fans went mental you need a guy that partnered with that initially partnered with uh the class of 92 uh no, that's uh God. That's Limp, isn't it? Yeah, Limp. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Vince that tan guy. Oh, Vince is, is he out yeah, of there? Yeah, yeah. Is he out of there now? I think, I think so. He's still on. Yeah, he is. Uh, but people like that can be crazy too, so that's the problem. But yeah. um yeah. yeah, leaning with something like you said with Norway, that's very, very interesting because they would definitely, you know do things differently um i don't know what's what's uh what are the swiss saying how rich are you <laughs> <laughs> they got everybody's money over there yeah so that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying that's what i'm saying i'm sure they have some kind of treasury that could that, that could do it but anyways yeah fair enough hmm. all, all right that's good yeah good discussion Thank you. I uh, hope everyone's enjoyed this this crossover episode of the Koshcast and the Talk Shop. I'm sure we'll do it again. But uh, Absolutely. For now, everyone, uh, everyone be well. Hope everyone's families are good, and we'll we'll chat again soon. Cheers. Have a good one.